Bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that this is your house. And in your house, there will be fullness of joy. And in your house, O God, there will be faith, and faith will grow. And in your house, O God, Lord, your presence reigns. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here into this place. And right now, I come against and I bind up every distracting spirit, every oppressive spirit, every demonic spirit to be bound by the blood of Christ and purged from this place and be bound and silenced in Jesus' name. We pray that, God, Lord, fresh faith be released in this place, O God, for your people to live their lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Last night, we had our um, annual Thanksgiving banquet. And, uh, man, we had a fantastic time, amen? We had a great time, man. It was, this place was packed. Um, I just want to thank, um, I want to thank all the, the house churches for a marvelous video, uh, that you guys made for Aaron and I. That was, uh, just really touching. Um, the video was very, um, very good. And, uh, the talent show, man, who knew, right? That our churches got talent, amen? Oh, man. Now, I, I thought all the acts were wonderful, but man, our, our brother Dale, our brother Sean with the little afro and came up and did it. Man, that was uh, something else. <laughs> praise God. Praise God for all the talented people. And uh, we want to thank uh, Mina and Rachel again for all your hard work to really organize the event. Thank Jerry for uh, organizing a lot of the food. Uh, praise God. Let's uh, continue to uh, honor those people that have served us. Um, last week, uh, we had that miracle offering uh, after my message. And uh, as I announced earlier, uh, people uh, pledged to give about 30 million Korean won in miracle offerings. So that's going to be a lot of miracles that are going to be released in people's lives. Amen. I mean, what I'm teaching here is not that you buy yourself a miracle, all right? You can't buy yourself a miracle. But what you can do is you obey the Lord and you just give him everything and you worship him with all you got. And I'm telling you, the word of God says he regards those offerings, those offerings that Abel brought, those offerings that the widow of Zarephath brought. And they saw miracles released in their lives. And let me just tell you, as a man of God, that miracles will be released in your life. As you continue to look to the Lord and trust in Him, you will see results in your life. Things happen in your life that will only happen by the hand of God. That is truly a miracle. All right, hallelujah. And so, you know, it's just one way to stir up faith in our hearts for miracles is uh, the miracle offering. And so praise God for your generous hearts. Uh, today, uh, we're going to look at, a few weeks ago, I preached a message called, Listen to the Donkey. And uh, in it, we looked at the story of Balaam and his donkey. Now, if you didn't hear that message, be sure to download it off the podcast. Uh, and today, what I'm going to do, I'm going to continue to preach on that story of Balaam. So, let's turn to Numbers chapter 22. Everybody, to Numbers chapter 
22. Now, in Numbers chapter 22, we have Balaam talking to his donkey. And uh, after talking with his donkey, God opened up Balaam's eyes and he discovered that there was an angel on the road with a drawn sword ready to kill him. Verse 34, it says, Balaam says, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now, therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. Now, uh, to be clear, Balaam is not a follower of Yahweh. The Bible never mentions that he ever became one. He is a practitioner of divination, of witchcraft, of sorcery, right? He was a demonized man, this guy Balaam. And in verse 35, God permits Balaam to go with Balak, but God warns him to speak only that which God tells him. Now, one thing to note here is that this encounter with the angel has clearly shaken up Balaam. Whereas before, he was a little bit fickle about what, what he wanted to do. Now he sees the seriousness of how important it is for him to speak only what God speaks. Okay. So, you know, God's really taken and gotten his attention through the donkey and the angel. Uh, now look at uh, Numbers 22, verse 41. Look at for verse 41. In the morning, Balak took Balaam and brought him up to Bamoth Baal. And from there he saw a fraction of the people. Verse 1. And Balaam said to Balak, Build for me here seven altars, and prepare for me seven bulls and seven rams. Balak did as Balaam had said, and Balak offered on each altar a bull and a ram. And Balaam said to Balak, Stand beside your burnt offering, and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet me, and whatever he shows me, I will tell you. And he went to a bare height, and God met Balaam. And Balaam said to him, I have arranged the seven altars, and I have offered in each altar a bowl and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return to Balak, and thus you, will, you shall speak. And he returned to him. Behold, he and all the princes of Moab were standing behind this burnt offering. Balaam took up this discourse and said, all right, check out what he says. From Aram, Balak has brought me the king of Moab from the eastern mountains. Come, curse Jacob for me, and come, denounce Israel. But how can I curse whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce, denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of the crags I see him. From the hills I behold him. Behold a people dwelling alone and not counting itself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the upright and let my end be like his. And, Balaam said, and Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies, and behold, you have done nothing but bless them. Let's stop there. Amen. Now, Balak, he spends all this money to recruit Balaam, this professional sorcerer, to travel this long distance to come and curse the Israelites. But what does Balaam end up doing? He does the complete opposite. He blesses the Israelites. Now, why would Balaam personally do this and risk losing his divination fee? I mean, this, the king is offering him a lot of money to do this. Why would he 
bless the people. Why would he bless the people and, and risk losing his divination fee? Because the fear of God was in Balaam. Amen? An angel met a man and Balaam, that shook Balaam up. And God told Balaam what to say and Balaam said it. Now, Balak takes Balaam to another place. And I don't know why, what's going through his head, but he hopes that on this other mountain that Balaam will call down a curse on a separate section of the people. But if you read through in chapter 23, once again, Balaam blesses the Israelites instead. So Balak gets Balaam again a third time. And the Bible says that on this third time that he's ordered to curse the people, the very spirit of God possesses Balaam. And he prophesies more and more blessings. And then he ends with a final oracle about the soon and coming Messiah. Brothers and sisters, you may be asking me, what does this story have to do with my life? Okay. I'm here today to proclaim that our God is a God who turns curses into blessings. Amen? The Bible tells us in Romans 8.28 that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. The Bible says God works for your good. God works for your blessing. Now, I'm not here trying to teach a man-centered theology. No. I'm just teaching the Word of God. And the Word of God says, don't be afraid to say it. God works for your good. In all things, He works for your blessing. All things includes curses. Okay? God can turn curses around for your good. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, David said of the Lord in Psalm 108, let them curse, but you, O oh God, will bless. Let them curse, but you will bless. Hallelujah. You know, have you ever felt like you're cursed? I don't know if you ever thought about that. But have you ever felt or thought about your life and seen some crazy things happen and just kind of thought, maybe I'm just cursed. Maybe you had unfortunate things happen to you again and again and again and again. Oh, brothers and sisters, I have good news for you today. Our God is a God who turns curses into blessings. You know, if you ever felt like you've been cursed, it may be because you are. All right, let me preach some truth that is not preached from the pulpit these days. All right. You may feel like you're cursed because you are cursed. Let me just say that curses are very real. Curses are in the Bible. And nowhere in the Bible does it say that curses have ended. In the Garden of Eden, God curses the serpent for tempting Adam and Eve. Then God then curses the ground and tells Adam that he will have to endure hard labor to eat the fruit of the ground. In Genesis 12, God tells Abraham, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse whoever curses you. But it says his curses are very real. Turn to your neighbor, tell him that. Curses are very real. You know, in Malachi 3, God tells the people that they are under a curse. Why? 
Because they have been robbing God in tithes and offerings. You know, if you rob God, hallelujah, <clears throat> if you rob God in tithes and offerings, you're under a curse. Did you know that? You might be like, well, no, God, you know, he forgives all my sin and, you know, yeah, he, he'll forgive your sin. He's not going to let you, he's not going to like stop you from getting into heaven because of it. But I'll tell you right now, the word of the Lord says you're under a curse because you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. That's the real deal. This is serious. There are ministers that will tell you that curses don't exist today. A lot of uh, very studious scholars and Bible teachers will tell you that. I simply disagree. Is it okay for me to disagree? Come on with it. Hallelujah. One is because there's no scripture that tells us this. That curses have ended. And two, in my experience with ministry, I've clearly seen the effects of curses on people's lives. Not just on people, but on nations. I've been to the poorest slums of India, of the Philippines. I've helped the mentally ill. I've seen the worst poverty. Oftentimes, they're in the most idolatrous lands. Have you ever considered... That the, that the countries and nations that are under the most poverty are often the countries that are under the most idolatry. Look at Cambodia, Thailand. Okay. Thailand may have a great tourism industry, but you look at the rest of the country, it's still very poor. You, you, go, you go to the Philippines. Look, Philippines is a Catholic country, but their form of Catholicism is idolatry. Let me just say it, right? And the idolatry brings a curse on the entire nation. Um, um, on the flip side, there are nations that are blessed. Germany. Uh, Germany may be going down the two morally and spiritually, but Germany's blessed. You ever think, man, there are some nice cars coming out of Germany. They have some wonderful engineering. Why is that country so blessed? Even though, you know, like they, they had this kind of split in their country. You know, why? I, I'll tell you why. This is my theory. It's because of Martin Luther. That's why. Because the blessing of God will last through generations. My, Martin Luther, man, really set things up for Germany to be blessed. That's my, just my personal theory. We'll find out in heaven. And Martin Luther got the word of God into the hands of the people. Uh, if you look at England, England's blessed. I, I'm ta- Man, the British pound pounds the U.S. dollar and every other currency that's out there. You go to, man, you go to, you ever go to London? I had to get fish and chips. I had to pay $18 for fish and chips. 18 U.S. equivalent dollars to get fish and chips. Man, what? Who pays that kind of money? For McDonald's meals, you know? It was like way over 12 bucks. I'm like, what's going on? Why? England's blessed. England's blessed. I'm telling you, man, there's, there, there's nations that are under curses and there's nations under blessings. They often have some, Something to do with somebody. But I'm telling you, the poorest countries of the, land, of the world, the reason why a lot of them are under, under such intense poverty is because they're under a curse. That's why it's so important that we go in and we, we revive the land and we get the hearts of the people to turn from idols and turn to the true Lord. You don't have to get everybody in that country to do that, but you get a, you know, you get a good movement of that going in that land, man, God will start blessing that land. 
Good example, Brazil. Brazil right now is being blessed. That, that country is much like the Philippines. They had a very idolatrous form of Catholicism there. But man, people are turning away from Catholicism. They're turning to spirit-filled, Pentecostal, charismatic Christianity. There are signs, wonders, miracles breaking out. People are just in love with God. There are politicians that have gotten saved, revived, filled with the spirit. That whole nation is getting blessed right now. God's shifting things. He's lifting the curse off that land. You might look at a country like India. If you've ever been to India, you've been to the poor slums of India. Man, it will mess you up. You watch that movie Slumdog Millionaire? Man, India is poor. They have the second largest population in the world, and, that, and all them people, billions of people, are living in intense poverty. And you might think, man, this will never change. I'll tell you how it will change. If that curse gets lifted, if that curse gets turned into a blessing, the entire nation can change. I'll tell you right now, greatest example is China. You will not find idolatry in China. Why? Well, thank you to the communists. <laughs> they, they stamped out Christianity, but they stamped out everything else as well. And because idolatry has, puts a curse on the nation, without the idolatry there, man, when the missionaries went in and they, they paid the price and they started to really sew in during the 90s, man, that was just a huge boom of the underground church. And the entire nation is being blessed and changed right now. You're telling me the second, you're telling me India can't change? Look at China. It's the biggest population in the world and they're changing. They're receiving blessing. Don't think small. Don't think church to church. Don't think city to city. For those who have the faith, you've got to think nation to nation. God can change a nation around. Hallelujah. Fifty years ago, this nation was tore up by war. Not just by the Japanese occupation, but by civil war. And God has turned around this nation. Hallelujah. Well, curses are real. I'll tell you right now. Curses are real. Have you ever done deliverance ministry to the severely demonized? You will see that curses are real. And that when you see them set free from curses, you will see that curses are real. Because they got just set free from something. It's not psychology, I tell you that. I'm convinced that curses still operate today. You know, if you look at Matthew chapter 5, we have the Beatitudes, right? How do they all begin? <coughs> Blessed is the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. For they will see God. The Beatitudes, they're beautiful, right? Everybody loves preaching the Beatitudes. Return to Deuteronomy 27, we have the exact opposite. Each statement begins with, Cursed is the man who carves an idol. Cursed is the man who dishonors his mother and father. Cursed is the man who moves his neighbor's boundary stone. Don't do it. Cursed is the man who leads the blind astray on the road. Cursed is the man who withholds justice from the alien, the fatherless, or the widow. Cursed. You want to talk about blessings, oh, you got to also talk about curses. Curses is real. Then a chapter later in Deuteronomy 28, if you want to turn there, God goes into detail of what these curses actually look like. Deuteronomy 28, verse 20. Here's what curses look like. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in all that you undertake to do. 
until you are destroyed and perish quickly. The Lord will make pestilence stick to you. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation and fiery heat and with drought and with blight and with mildew. Ew. They shall pursue you until you perish and the heavens over your head shall be bronze and the earth underneath you iron. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt and with tumors and scabs and itch of which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of mind. And you shall be only oppressed and robbed continually. And there shall be no one to help you. You shall betroth a wife, but another man shall ravish her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. Curses are real. And just check it out. I didn't even get to the graphic part. There's a whole section for blessings. You look at the section for curses, it's a lot longer. And it gets a lot more graphic. Brothers and sisters, curses are very real. Now, curses are not only pronounced from God. But do you know that curses can be pronounced by man? You know, just as God can pronounce a blessing, a man has immense power in his words to bless or to curse. Don't underestimate the power of your words. I'm telling you right now, you can bless or you can curse. That's when I pray. I I pray, Lord, I speak a blessing over this man. I speak a blessing over this sister. You you ain't ever going to hear me praying, Lord, I'll curse this brother. He's not tithing. Lord, Show him what's his. I don't say that, right? Because there's power, man. That's, that's, there's some authority. Now, in Joshua chapter 6, verse 26, after the Israelites, they knocked down the walls of Jericho with all these great shouts. Joshua pronounces something. He says, Cursed is the man who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son will he lay its foundations. At the cost of his youngest, will he set up its gates? You just read that and you're, you just probably never paid attention to that. You're just like, oh, Joshua was having a bad day. <coughs> you know, pass that over. But if you go to 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 34, the word of God says that a guy named Heel rebuilt Jericho. Right, you know what happened to him? His firstborn son, Abiram, died. And he set up the gates of the city at the cost of his youngest son, Segub. And the word of God says, it all happened in accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua. Curses can come from the mouth of a man. We all need to listen up to this message. Because there's a responsibility in all of this. Uh, in Second Kings chapter 2, verse 24, we have the most unfortunate incident in the Bible, in my opinion. <laughs> okay. You have the prophet Elisha. He's walking down along the road. And all these children come out and say, <laughs> Look at that man. He's so ugly. Look at him. He's bald. Yeah, he's bald. Hey, Baldy. Hey, Baldy. Hey, Baldy. That's not funny. 
Alicia said, that ain't funny. You know what Alicia did? Okay, the word of God says, he turned around, he looked at them, and he called down a curse. And the Bible says two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the, of the youths to death. Or I don't know, mauled them or killed them, I don't know. They got messed up. Two big bears came out of the woods all of a sudden. The moment Alicia said, you children, I curse you. <laughs> all of a sudden, bears rawr, came out. Curses are real. Do you hear what I'm saying? And when you have that kind of anointing, brothers and sisters, you got to be careful what comes out of your mouth. I don't care if you're having a bad day. you got to know when you're moving in that kind of anointing, there's authority in your words. Brothers and sisters, now that we have established that curses are very real, let me ask you again, do you ever feel like you are cursed? You know, the world has a word for it. They call it luck. Man, you're so lucky. Look at your wife. Man, you're so lucky. Look at my wife. I'm not so lucky. I, I don't know. I don't know what people say, right? But they use that word luck. Because they clearly see that some people that are blessed, they are constantly blessed. And some people that they don't get the breaks, they constantly don't get the breaks. Maybe there are things that you've done that have brought various curses into your life. Perhaps you've been dishonest with money. And you've noticed that no matter how hard you try to store up finances, it seems like there are holes in your pockets. Why does Larry get all the breaks? How come he, all the stocks that he invests in seem to multiply? Why does Pastor Christian get Apple stock when it was only $8 and then it multiplies to $200 and my stock only went up by $1? Maybe every business venture you've tried have ended up in failure. You know, you ever look around City of Seoul? There are restaurants opening up, grand opening. Grand closing. In like five months, man. Stores can't stay open. But you ever see certain stores? A man will open up one store, and then two years later, he's opened up five more stores. In the same place that other business owners just could not get a break at. What's with that? Is he just smarter than other people? Um, perhaps you lived a very sinful life and you now have physical symptoms that won't go away. I'm not saying all physical symptoms are the result of that, but there are some. Perhaps you used to bow down to idols in a previous religion. You used to go to a Mormon church. You used to be part of a cult. And now you notice that you are haunted by demonic voices. Or your life is ruled by intense fear or anxiety. No matter how hard you try to live a life of faith, you can't do it. You also notice that you get into random accidents again and again and again. You see, when you get into one accident here and there, you might be like, oh, it's a demonic attack. Man, the demonic attacks, those demons, I hate those demons, you know. But when you 
are seeing it again and again and again, and you can actually see that it happens about twice a year on average or something like that, man, that's probably evidence of a curse. Perhaps you're like Job. You see all this bad stuff happening in your life, but it's a mystery to you why it's happening. Or, that, or maybe that's just the way you feel. Or perhaps it has nothing to do with what you've done. Curses have invaded your life because of what others have done. Your ancestors practiced witchcraft or idolatry. They went to a mudang or some saju cafe and got a psychic reading done for you. The name that they, your parents gave you was a name given by a psychic. In Korea, it's a very common practice. They named their children uh, based on what, like a Buddhist monk or some mudang. It's mudang, right? Mudang is like a form of Korean shamanism. And, they, and they, these guys, they, they hook up with different spirits and then they get all these different supposed words, form of divination. Perhaps because of what your parents have done, it's put you under a curse. And you're constantly under demonic attack. Or you experience a lot of kawi. It's not like, you know, a pastor Christian gets kawi. But I get kawi like once every five years. And I get very upset when it happens. Or, or I'm very tired when it happens and then I just forget about it. But, you know, it doesn't happen that very often. It's still like once every four or five years. But there are people that get kawi once every four or five days. And it's a nation of people that are, that are experiencing that. Most of you in here know what kawi is. Okay, oh, all my uh, non-Korean brothers and sisters, don't worry. I'll tell you afterwards what it is. Uh, well, simply, kawi is when you, like, you're half awake, you're half asleep, and all of a sudden you wake up and you feel like something's pressing down on your chest. See, I don't want to explain it because when you explain it, people get it. So uh, I don't want to explain it. I'll stop there. Okay, it's just something bad, something, something bad that happens to people when they're sleeping. Doesn't make them feel good. But Korean pop stars, they have like songs about it. People all, they all know that. They all get it. Why? Because at one point we were, we were under Buddhism and shamanism and all kinds of idolatry. And we still are in some, some places. A lot of ancestor worship, chaset, still goes on. With those things come curses. Chaset's ancestor worship. Chesa, I'm sorry. Chesa. I'm thinking chunse, And I got chaset. Thank you, honey. You corrected me in Korean. Thank you very much, honey. I appreciate that. Your Korean is getting better already. Have it. <coughs> or uh, a more serious tip, maybe you were abused as a child. And somebody did something to you, and the pain and memory of those incidents, they still torment you. And it's like a curse. What they did or didn't do, Let's put your life on a curse. Or maybe just a straight-up witchcraft practitioner put a curse on you. Killed a chicken, broke his neck, and then said, Ah, curse, Pastor Christian. This is serious stuff, because by prophetic word, we're finding out that people are cursing me. And anytime you get involved with apostolic ministry, right? all the apostolic ministers will testify that occultic witchcraft, like not... Uh, the, the witchcraft, Christian form of witchcraft that I preached about, but like straight up occultic witchcraft. A lot of apostolic ministers will face that. Satan just comes straight at them. 
Maybe that's happened and they put a curse on you. I told you about one of my stories. When I went to a mission trip to Kazakhstan, there was a, a girl named Jenya and a guy named Sergey. And we led them to the Lord. And it was a small city called Stetnogorsk. It was where they had the world's largest stockpile of anthrax when the USSR was still around. And uh, anyway, uh, we bring Zhenya and Sergey to the Lord. I come back to the States, and every single night, I'm having the most intense nightmares that I've ever had in my life. These violent nightmares where all these demonic creatures are chasing me down and then stabbing me in the stomach. This is very violent. I was waking up. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep and rest. So I go to church on Sunday, and Brother Michael, he's praying for me. And he said, Brother, the Spirit of the Lord is telling me that somebody in Kazakhstan put a curse on you. Some witchcraft practitioner put a curse on you. Right now, I'm going to loose this curse off of you right now by the blood of Christ. Just receive it, brother. And he just prayed a simple prayer. And he broke that curse off of me. And the weeks after, not a single nightmare. Right? And this stuff is real. Now, whether there are curses in your life because of the things you've done or the things that others have done, I want you to take heart today because I got good news. Our God is a God who takes the curse and turns it into a blessing. Amen? If you will trust in the Lord and you will walk in His ways. God will take every curse in your life and turn it into a blessing. Some of you have a hard time believing that. Let me give you some testimonies from the Bible. There was a young man named Joseph. He was beaten by his brothers, almost killed, but instead he was sold into slavery. His brothers cursed him out of jealousy and hatred. But the favor of God was upon Joseph, and God turned that curse into a blessing and made Joseph the head servant in Potiphar's house. Later, when Joseph rejected the advances of Potiphar's wife, and Potiphar's wife cursed Joseph by accusing him of rape, Joseph went to jail. But what God, what God do? God turned that curse into a blessing. So eventually he became the right-hand man of the prison warden. But not only that, God raised him up to be the prime minister of Egypt. Talk about God turning all things for good. God turned every curse in Joseph's life into a blessing. And forged in him, through the hardships that he went through, the character that he needed to be the prime minister. Let me tell you another story. Hannah. It's a woman named Hannah in the Bible. She was cursed with barrenness. Let's just be real, right? You can't just say that barrenness is just a medical condition. Although, you know, I guess it can be. I don't, I'm not a doctor. But for a woman who is barren, it feels like a curse. If you want a baby and you can't have one, it feels like a curse. And so this lady, Hannah, she wanted a baby. The culture of that time was everybody had babies. And that was how you had position in the culture, in the society. You were esteemed and respected if you had children. 
And so she wanted that esteem. She wanted to have a child, but she couldn't. She was bar- but she was barren. She was cursed with barrenness. But as she prayed unto the Lord, the Lord turned that curse into a blessing. Not only did God open up her womb and she had more and more children, but the first child that she had was the prophet Samuel, one of the greatest leaders that we have in the Bible, prophet Samuel. I'll tell you about another man, young man David. <clears throat> you know, when we talk about the story of David and Goliath, we never mentioned that Goliath cursed David. At first Samuel seventeen forty three, David's walking up to Goliath with these sticks and these stones. Sticks and stones may break my bones. <laughs> I don't know what Goliath said. We don't know everything he said, but we do know what he did say. He did say, "What am I like? Some kind of dog? What are you doing?" And he started to curse David, using whatever profanity, whatever bad things you can think about. David. Bleep it, bleep your mama and your whole family and your whole generation. I don't know what he said, but he cursed David. What did God do? God turned that curse into a blessing and used that incident to propel David into his destiny. Let me tell you about one more person in the Bible who was cursed. Jesus was cursed. You know, after Peter promised to follow Christ unto death, Peter cursed that promise by invoking a curse upon himself when people asked him, do you know Jesus? Three times he denied Christ. When Jesus had to stand trial in front of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, they cursed him by punching, slapping, spitting on his face. They cursed and condemned him, accusing him of blaspheming God. When the Roman guards were crucifying Christ, they cursed him by mocking him and saying, you, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. <laughs> or whatever they did. They sure didn't bless him. They were cursing him. Even one, one of the criminals who was crucified with Christ, Luke 23 says, he cursed Jesus. said, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But you know what, most of all? God the Father cursed Jesus, his son. Well, that doesn't make any sense. What, what, what would have, what, it seemed like he sent him to the cross, but why, why, would, why, would, why would the Father curse the son? Look, the Father bruised And abandoned his only son. Not only that, the father cursed Jesus by making him who knew no sin to be sin for us. 
so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. Jesus was cursed. The father had Jesus crucified. He didn't have him hung. He didn't have him, I don't know, whatever other execution methods they had back then. Beheading. Thank you. Or, or you know, whatever execution methods they had. They didn't, they didn't do that. God the Father specifically had Jesus die on a cross. Why? Because it was God's plan to curse Jesus. What's interesting is if you read the Old Testament law in Deuteronomy 21, God said that anyone who is hung on a tree is under God's curse. So all the Jews, they knew this. That's why the cross was such a horrible way to die. Because not only were you dying out of humiliation and torture, but you were dying under God's curse. So by hanging his only son on a tree, God was putting Jesus under the curse of the law. And the Bible says Jesus became a curse for us so that in him we may have redemption from sin. Galatians 3.13 says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Now, the good news is, after Jesus was cursed, on the third day, he was raised to life. In other words, God turned the curses of his son into an amazing blessing. And this blessing is not just for Jews, but it is a blessing given so that all nations on earth will be blessed through Christ. It is a fulfillment of promise, of a promise given to Abraham by God. God elected the people, the Jews. But it was his election. And this is why like, I have a problem with Arminians arguing with me about predestination. If you, if you think that God is not, you, you get so appalled by the fact that God is not a God of election. You say, God will never do that. Why would he just choose some people to be saved and exclude everybody else? No, God is a God who gives everybody a chance to be saved. And if you reject him out of your own volition, then, then that's on you and you go to hell. Okay. I just have a problem with that because, look, I would like to believe that myself, but it's just not what the Bible teaches. If you look at most of the Bible, what is God doing? He's excluding the rest of the world into electing just one ethnic group. Yeah, he allows some foreigners to come into the people here and there, but he elects one ethnic group. God is a God of election, I'm telling you. But praise the Lord that he, not, he, he did not just stick with that one ethnic group. But when he sent his son into the world as that ethnicity through his son becoming a curse, 
God turned that curse into a blessing. And then not only did he bless the Jews, but he blessed all peoples on earth. And so, in that sense, God is a God of election, not being racist to just one ethnicity, but his entire design from the very beginning when he chose Abraham was to bring it to the nations. Because what does he tell Abraham? All nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Hallelujah. I'm sorry I'm going off on this Calvinist spiel, but you know, as you know, your pastor here is a strong, right, strong in Reformed theology. I'm not strong in Reformed theology because I choose to. I'm just strong in Reformed theology because when I study the Bible, that's all I see. Hallelujah. But you know what? If you really look at the cross, it is a wonderful the cross is indeed wondrous, like we sang, or at least Chris Thomas sang about earlier. It is the wonderful cross. Why? Right? You know, the Jews, they had this thing with blood. They were really afraid of blood. They were not allowed to eat meat with blood still in it. I mean, just, the blood was just a big issue. Why? Because if you ate meat with blood in it, you were cursed. According to Old Testament law, there was a curse. And so isn't it kind of appalling to Jewish people today that Christians, all they talk about is blood? But you see, what was once a curse, God turned it into a blessing through the cross. So that now the blood is not a symbol just of life and death, but the blood is a symbol of our redemption. And the cross is not a just symbol of a curse. The cross is a symbol of our blessing. Hallelujah. Our God is a God who turns. Did I not tell you, our God is a God who turns blessings and curses into blessings. Hallelujah. God turned the curse of the cross into the greatest blessing of history. God turned what looked like a setback into a setup for his son to rule and reign. Now, one thing you may note in scripture is that while Jesus was on the earth, we have no record of Jesus ever pronouncing a curse on anybody. Instead, he taught us. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Luke 6, 28. Now, the only thing that Jesus cursed while he was on the earth was a fig tree. (laughs) Now, how can Jesus give us such a difficult command? Bless those who curse you. Have you ever tried that? You ever get cut off by one of those crazy taxi drivers here on the streets of Seoul? Or you ever about to walk the street and you almost get hit? What's the first thing that comes out of your mouth? I'll tell you now, it's not a blessing. What a difficult command. How? Why? Bless those who steal your money. Bless those who betray you. Bless those who take advantage of you. Bless those who curse you. Bless and pray for them. And Jesus, I'll tell you what, Jesus commanded us in this way because through the cross, he took us from the realm of law and justice into the realm of Grace and mercy. You see, by the cross, God calls us to a standard that is higher than law and justice. It's a standard of grace and mercy. See, there's nothing wrong with law and justice. It's just that when those who, those people rely, when people rely on the works of the law, the Bible says they are trapped under The curse. If you 
live your life legalistically or just try to live by the letter of the law, I'm telling you, you're living under a curse. If your Christianity has deteriorated into legalism, I'm telling you right now that you're living under a curse. The curse that Christ died to redeem you from, you're going right back into it. See, many Christians enter into relationship with God through grace and mercy. But, but they tend to slide back into law and justice. Or when it comes to dealing with others, we always resort back to law and justice, don't we? That's why it's so hard to forgive. That's why it's so hard to bless those who curse us. Because when God deals with us, Lord, deal with us in your grace and mercy, Lord. Please, Lord. But when we deal with others, law and justice for you. And what I'm saying today is, if you're living here, you're going to live under the blessing. But if you're living over here, you're living under the curse. You're always just going to get what you deserve. You're always going to just get what you've earned. But you live over here, you see blessing, favor, open doors, beautiful spouse, jobs that you don't qualify for. I'm telling you, curses operate freely in the realm of law and justice. But for those who live at the standard of grace and mercy, God turns all your curses into blessings. If you will just stay here, this is the city of God. This is the city of David, the city of Jesus Christ. If you will live under grace and mercy, if you will live in this city, God will turn all your curses into blessings. But if you live your own way, and you want to be the judge, and you want to just do what's fair, do what's just, and all you care about is law and justice. You're going to struggle with a lot of curses still in your life. You see, whenever we overcome, when someone curses us and we overcome evil with good by giving a blessing, by extending forgiveness, that's when the grace and mercy of God will flow freely through us and into us. That's when we'll see every curse turned around into a blessing. We'll experience then the favor of Joseph. We'll experience the anointing of David. We'll experience, we'll see our wombs being filled like Hannah. And our enemies will try to curse us and God will turn it around and say, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. God will work all things for the good of those who love him. I'm just going to close with this. You might be sitting there, you're a baby Christian. You find it very difficult to obey this command, to bless those who curse you. I'd be like, Lord, I just think it's tough. Does that mean that in the meantime, you have to live under all kinds of curses? Okay, let me give you a word, Deuteronomy 23.5. Word of God says, however, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but turn the curse into a blessing for you because... The Lord your God loves you. Why does God turn curses into blessings in your life? Is it based on how excellent you are at 
blessing those who mistreat you? Is it based on your spiritual performance? No. It's just because he loves you. That's it. That's the sole basis for why he does these things. Even when you're backslidden and going your own way, he'll turn curses into blessings in your life. Maybe not all of them, but he'll, he'll do it for you because he just loves you. And his invitation is always for you to live in the fullness of his blessing. So let the haters say what they want. Don't be afraid of occultic practitioners that cast spells. Don't worry about those who are cheating or conspiring against you. Don't fret when Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't worry. Because God will take all of those curses and he'll turn them into a blessing for you. The word of God says his blessing will overtake you. For our God is a God who turns our darkness into light. Let us pray. And earlier I read an excerpt from Deuteronomy about the curses of God. But let me just kind of open up a perfume bottle of Deuteronomy 28. It contains the blessings of God. And I just want to declare this over you as you seek to live lives of faithfulness before him. Deuteronomy 28. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commands that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the, in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come up against you in one way and flee before you seven. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord, your God, and walk in his ways. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. And they shall be afraid of you. You'll be so blessed that they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens. He'll open up the heavens for you and give the rain to your land in a season and to bless all the work of your hands. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall only go up and not down. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, if you do not turn aside from any of these words, you shall be blessed. Lord God, we just thank you and we praise you, Lord. Lord Father, when it comes down to it, Lord, Lord, we have not faithfully obeyed all your commandments and being careful to follow all your ways. 
Lord, we have, in fact, in many ways, we've failed utterly. And Lord God, we pray right now. And we thank you that although we have failed in following all your commandments, there's still hope for us to live in your blessing. Because your son has fulfilled all the commandments and followed all of your ways. And in him, we are the righteousness of God. So that in Christ, every blessing is ours. And God, today, we want to rise up to take it. We rise up to receive it, Lord. Turn all the curses in our lives. No matter what we've done or what others have done, what our parents have done, Lord, turn all of those curses into blessings, O God. And raise us up and make us a blessing into all the nations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.